Most of you are aware that um, for 30 some odd years, I was uh, a Methodist pastor, which wasn't always easy for me as being the person that I am, being a, um, an evangelical, Bible-believing, born-again Christian in a progressive denomination like that. Sometimes they didn't like me either. So, uh, but I don't want to give you the impression that um, all of my time as part of the Methodist Church was bad because it wasn't at all. I met some, some of the most wonderful people. In fact, um, the DeVos family have been a part of my life, and I've been a part of their life for a very long time. We've met, we met in the, in, at St. Mark's United Methodist, and so that's part of my blessing. Um, but there's other, there were many things, actually, that were a blessing to me as being a Methodist pastor. One of the things um, was um, the founder of the Methodist movement, which was called, who his name is uh, John Wesley. There's, he, his story was always inspiring to me. And one of the reasons why it was inspiring to me is because he wrote these journals and he was always so real. I mean, I, I, when someone can be authentic and transparent um, about who they are, I, I love that. And he was always that. And he, in fact, in his journals, he wrote this, this story about in the, in the early days of his ministry in particular, he was an abject failure. He was, he, his first job in ministry was to be a missionary to America. And he was so bad at it that they fired him. But it was even worse than that. He was so bad at it that they fired him and then they threw him on the boat to send him back to England. It's a true story. And it was on the boat ride back to England that God um, brought some people into his life to plant some seeds that would change the course of history, literally. On this boat ride back to England, he's feeling really bad about himself. He's thinking, what have I done? I'm obviously, I, I'm not good at this, and I don't know what to do with the rest of my life. And anyway, while he was on this boat ride back to England, kind of feeling sorry for himself, God brought into, so there were some other people on the boat with him, who John Wesley refers to as the Moravians, who were passionately in love with Jesus. Now, John would have said that he was in love with Jesus too, but the love that he was experiencing was vastly different than the love that the Moravians were expressing. So one day, he sets them down on this long voyage back to England. He says, what is it that you guys have that I don't have? And they started asking him some questions. They said, well, have you accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? And he says, yes, I have done that. And they said, well, do you, um, do you believe that the Bible is the authoritative word of God? And he goes, well, of course, yeah, I believe that. So it was at that point that these passionately in love with Jesus people bestowed some knowledge on him that would uh, change the world, would plant some seeds that would eventually change the world. They looked at him and they said, John, keep believing what you believe until you get it. And then after you get it, believe it and preach it some more. In essence, what they were saying to him was this, John, you've got everything that you need up here. But you need to have it, you need to connect it here. You see, if all you have is a bunch of head knowledge about who God is and about the Bible, it's a good thing. 
but it will never be what it is meant to be, what God intends it to be, until you take all that knowledge that's up here and you connect it with your heart. I share that story with you this morning because in a very real sense, that story about John Wesley is the same story that is being proclaimed in our scripture lesson for today. For those of you who may be guests or visitors with us, we here at Prairie Bible, the entire year, for the most part, we have been preaching through 1st and 2nd Corinthians. And today we are in 2nd Corinthians chapter 9. And the message that God had for the Corinthians, and us as well, in chapter 9, was the same message that the, the Moravians had for John Wesley on that boat heading back to, to England. In order for your faith in Christ to be what it is intended to be, you've got to make the connection between this and this. If you have your Bibles, I want you to open them up to 2 Corinthians chapter 9. And if you're using one of the church uh, Bibles, that's on 1,150. We usually have the passage up on the screen, by the way, but... I would really encourage you to pull out one of the Bibles because I'm going to, as I, as I go through chapter 9, I'm going to be looking again at chapter 8 too, I want you to be able to see the context. You can listen and, and look at the context in the scripture at the same time, but I want you also to test me and make sure that I'm not telling you something that I shouldn't be telling you. So read your Bibles, okay? 2 Corinthians 9, and uh, in essence, what today is actually um, part 2 of the message that I began preaching um, a couple of weeks ago. We had Labor Day weekend and our prayer service in between. But it, a couple of weeks ago, I started a message on generosity, if you recall. And back in chapter 8, the Apostle Paul, if you recall, it was, was tooting the horn of a group of Christians that were from Macedonia. Remember that? He was very impressed with this group of people. Um, so impressed, he was particularly impressed by their spirit of generosity, as I kind of alluded to a moment ago. It says in 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 4, that they were so passionate about generosity that they literally begged Paul for the opportunity to give. They, they, there was this group of Christians who were in great despair in Jerusalem, and they heard about it, and they wanted to give and do what they could to be a blessing to these people. And Paul says, don't do that, man. You guys, you guys are struggling. You don't have enough money to pay your own bills. And they said, no, we want to help. We're begging you, let us help. I remember when I read that a couple of weeks ago as I was preparing for that message thinking, these people are weird. You're thinking it too, weren't you? You were. Who gets all excited and passionate about being generous? And then when I started studying for this week, I got it. I understood. You see, the reason why those people in Macedonia were so passionate about generosity wasn't because of generosity in and of itself. It was because they had made the connection between this and this. They understood that generosity was, was an expression of their love affair with Jesus. Yes, they knew because they, they knew their scriptures and because they had been taught that generosity is a Christian virtue that Christians should aspire to. They knew that. But they saw it as a, as a passionate opportunity to share their love for Jesus. Now, 
As we move into chapter 9, we find something very interesting happening. As we move into chapter 9, we discover that, that the Apostle Paul isn't convinced that the Christians in Corinth are nearly as excited about being generous as the Christians were in Macedonia. They had been given the opportunity to um, make an offering to those who were suffering in Jerusalem too, and, and they pledged to do so. But as you read chapter 9, what you get is that, that Paul's going, yeah, I'm not sure you guys are, are really getting this. I'm not sure you've made the connection between here and here. The reason why I know that that's what he was thinking is because it says there in chapter 9 that he actually had to send emissaries to the Corinthian church to make sure that they actually fulfilled the promise that they had made to, to give. Now, look at the juxtaposition between the two churches. On the one hand, you have the Macedonians who are begging him, let me give, please let me give. And over here, he's got the Corinthians who he has to send people to. He says, let me take you by the hand. We'll get you there, honey. Because they, they hadn't done this. That leads us to our scripture for today. Look at 2 Corinthians chapter 9, starting at verse 6. With all of that as a background, the Apostle Paul, inspired by the Holy Spirit, says to the Corinthians, and by extension you, he says, here's the point. Those who sow sparingly will reap sparingly. Those who sow bountifully will reap bountifully. But you must give according to that which is in your heart. Not reluctantly or under compulsion. Why? For God loves a cheerful giver. You need to make the connection between here and here to even begin to understand what cheerful giving is. If you haven't made the connection between here and here, Christian, the Christian virtue of generosity will feel like an obligation to you. When you make the connection between here and here, you'll be excited. You'll be passionate about sharing your love for Jesus and doing it by being generous. One of the uh, most common questions that we receive uh, from new people here at Pray Bible is, why do you all make it so hard to give around here? Translation is, why don't you guys take offerings? And to answer that question, if you are a guest or visitor, if you've ever wondered why we don't take an offering, I'll tell you why. Uh, we did some cultural observation. And what we discovered as we observed our culture was that there are people in our culture who, who want to believe certain things and don't want to believe other things. For example, there are a lot of people in our culture, probably not just our culture, but around the world, there are a lot of people in our culture who, uh, who don't want to believe that Jesus is the only way into salvation. I understand why people, that sounds kind of exclusive, doesn't it? 
there's only one way, and that means, you know, if you don't believe in Jesus, you know. I understand why people don't want to believe that, but it is the truth. And every Sunday at Prairie Bible, you will hear us proclaim that truth, knowing that there may be guests or visitors with us who don't want to hear it and may never come back again. I hope that you will. If you're one that doesn't want to believe that, I hope you'll come back and you'll, you'll understand why that is the truth just by being with us and learning with us. But we're not going to not proclaim that truth just because some people don't want to hear it. There are some people that, that don't want to believe that the Bible is the authoritative Word of God by which we are called to live. I get that too. That feels very constrictive. There's things in that Bible that personally I don't, I don't want to have to live by either. But listen to me. Every Sunday you will, we will lift up the truth that the Bible is the authoritative Word of God. Knowing that there may be some people that will never come back again because they don't want to believe that. That hurts me. But we're not going to not do it. But let me tell you about some things, something that some people do want to believe. Some people do want to believe that the only thing the church is interested in is my money rather than my soul. My dad was one of those people. My dad didn't even go to church and he didn't even have any money. But he was convinced that the only thing the church cared about was his money. I remember that as a kid thinking, well, if that's something you want to believe, we will do everything that we can to dispel that belief from you about us. I'm not saying that there aren't some churches that think that. Maybe they do. I don't know. But we don't. And one of the ways we want to prove to you that we care more about you than we care about your money is that we chose never to take an offering. Not because we don't believe in the Christian virtue of generosity. We, we believe in that. But because we didn't want you believing that we cared more about your money than we cared about you. Now, does that mean you don't need to give? No, you need to give. You, but we will tell people, if you have concern about us and what, what our motivations are, don't you dare give a dime to Prairie Bible. I mean that sincerely. If you think my motivation is for you to, ask, to tell you to be generous is so that I can get paid, don't worry about it. God will take care of me. Don't give to this church. But you need to give. You need to give for the sake of the gospel. And you need to give for your own sake. You want to know why? Because God loves a cheerful giver. See, all of a sudden you take away the excuses and it comes down to maybe it's just more about me than it is about them. And the only way you're ever really going to be able to grasp this concept of of literally being passionate about giving is if you've made the connection between here and here. 
Because if, if in your mind you've simply gr- believed that, it, that it's a Christian virtue, that I'm obligated to do it, and you haven't made the connection here, you'll never get to that place where, man, I've got to, I get to do this! Because I am passionately in love with Jesus. And this is one way that I can express my passion. It's not the only way, but it's an important way. If you are someone who is struggling with this whole idea of being passionately in love with Christ, and I understand that, by the way. I use that language a lot, and there are some people who just go, you know, you kind of make me nervous even talking like that. If, if you don't understand a passionate love affair with Christ, it would be my privilege to help you to understand. Right over there is our prayer room. We, we have dedicated an entire room to prayer here at Prairie Bible because we believe so fully and utterly and completely in it. If you would like help understanding the connection between here and here, if you would like some help understanding what it means to be passionately in love with Jesus, I'm going to be right over there in just a moment, and I would love to help you make that connection. If there is um, something else that you need prayer for, be my privilege to pray for those things too.